The Atlanta Braves win streak comes to an end, but a new one's ready to begin. Plus, I'll tell you who our new prospect is. We're adding to our Miners Monday top prospect list. All that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. And you can check out my written work over at BravesToday.com, where I typically write between four to five articles a week. So a lot of my content over there as well, and just a really great uh, website to stay up to date on everything going on with the Atlanta Braves. Make sure you follow the podcast on uh, YouTube as well. Subscribe there and hit that thumbs up button if you're watching over there. Thanks so much for all the support for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every a day. And a big shout out to some of my more recent everydayers that let me know on the YouTube comments section. Craig Rogers, KJ Collins, Philip Moore, Mike Popcorn Porter, Four Putt, Jonathan Drews, Docs Cards, and Nathan Harrell. Appreciate you letting me know. If you're an everydayer, let me know down in the comments section on YouTube. Had some of you let me know on Twitter as well. I appreciate that. I just sometimes forget to mention those here on the podcast. On this podcast, we are going to recap the weekend, some of the good, some of the bad, ever a series win against the Nationals. The winning streak does come to an end, but all good things must come to an end at some time, but hopefully a new streak is ready to begin and we got a lot to talk about on our miners monday recap got a new player that i want to add to the top 10 also got some statcast data for the triple a level that i want to discuss as well michael soroka had a good start and i'll give you some of the latest mock draft previews as well and who they have the atlanta braves taken and then we'll set you up for this tigers series well let's start talking about the weekend, and I did a bonus episode Friday night of Lockdown Braves. Grant McCauley joined me. He was at the game, so we just kind of switched up a little bit and did a postcast. We did it on the Lockdown Braves feed, so you may have seen that. But I wanted to do that because I wanted to talk about A.J. smith Shaver's first big league start. And, you know, you look at the results, and obviously really good to start, especially for his first big league start, but it perhaps – wasn't as dominant. Maybe my expectations were a little higher than they should have been, but it wasn't wasn't an overly dominant start. But when you go and look at this Nationals team, and I think we saw this throughout the weekend, and I just honestly didn't, and that's on me, I didn't look at this going into that start or into that series because I just figured the Nats, they're a bad team, bad record. These are all things we know, and that those are true. But one thing I didn't realize is this Nationals team is sixth in all of baseball in batting average. Now, they don't hit home runs, although they hit a couple of big ones on Sunday, leading to that win for the Nationals and loss for the Braves. But they have the sixth highest average in all of baseball. They get hits, and they have the fewest strikeouts in baseball. And none of their regulars have a whiff percentage lower than the 56th percentile, meaning they don't whiff a lot. They do have several players who will chase, but they still make contact with those pitches. They don't swing and miss a lot. So perhaps that led to some of the lack of dominance that we saw, not just from A.J. AJ smith Shaver, but some of the other pitchers throughout the weekend. I think this Nationals team, you know, very sneakily puts the ball in play. They don't strike out a ton. 
They hit for average, not a lot of power again until Sunday. But uh, again, I think maybe that skews the start a little bit. I just, again, my lack of not researching beforehand and looking into it, I just thought bad team, bad lineup. AJ Smith-Shelver has a chance to go out here and really dominate with his stuff and rack up some strikeouts. Wasn't the case. He only had two in the start. But when you take a step back and look at it and how that Nationals lineup operates, you know, perhaps that was the reason why. So really, again, not a bad start by any means. And A.J. Smith-Shawver didn't give up a lot of hard-hit contact. So really looking forward to seeing what he can do his next time out. As for Jared Schuster, I've been a little worried about him over these last handful of starts. I know the results are good, and I've, I've told you all along, you give me five innings, three earned, you take that every time out with Jared Schuster, and that's what he's giving you. So, you can live with it, but it just seems like there's a blow up coming. And I think you got to be cautious with him that third time through the order. I think you got to have a really quick hook. And I know he's been very efficient and his pitch counts have been low, but you really got to be cautious with him that third time through the order, as you do with every just about every pitcher, especially young pitchers. But batters have a 901 OPS against him when they see him for a third time. We saw that in his outing on Saturday. Again, pitch count really low, so I understand sending him back out there. But when he's going through that lineup for a third time, you really got to have a quick trigger on him because hitters are really adjusting to him and making you know good, much better swings the third time they see him, as a lot of hitters will against the starting pitcher. But with Jared Schuster especially, we've seen that become a problem here over his last couple of outings. And then Bryce Elder. I really thought he was fine. Again, a walk in the fourth and a couple of ground balls that found a hole at the middle led to a run. But really, you know, other than that, through the first five innings, and maybe we have to have the same conversation with Bryce Selder with a third time through, but I really thought he was good. In that sixth inning, things did get away from him. I really didn't like you had the, you know, leadoff double wild pitch with the runner on third with no outs and you bring the infield in in a 2-1 game in the sixth inning. I did not like that move at all. I was of the belief the Braves were going to score more runs. Turns out they didn't, but I didn't love that at all. Should have been an easy ground ball out and, you know, that cost the Braves another run there because the next batter hit a two-run homer, a hanging slider uh, that has really plagued Elder here in these last two starts, but I didn't like bringing the infield in there. It cost a run for Jared Schuster and, or Bryce Elder, and it gave a free run to the Nationals there. Um, then, you know, he gives up another soft single after that. They bring in Kirby Yates. He gives up a home run. So all of a sudden, Bryce Elder had an outing where looked like he was cruising, and he gives up five earned runs in total. They took some really good sliders, and we talked about this Nationals lineup, how they – you know, don't swing and miss a lot. And on Sunday against Elder, I thought they took some really good pitches on some sliders just off the plate down the down and away, a much tighter strike zone on Sunday than what we saw in the first two games of that series as well. But I think you got to, you know, just credit those Nationals hitters there. And then again, left a couple sliders up just like he did in that Mets start, or at least he left one up there to Candelario. Perhaps you're finally starting to see Bryce Elder regress to the mean a little bit. I mean, I, don't think it was possible for him to have a sub two ERA all year. I don't think he's necessarily been as bad as maybe the line looks his last two outings, but maybe we are starting to see him, you know, regress a little bit in that regard, but it's really three hanging sliders. His last two starts that have gotten hit for two run homers that have really come back to hurt him. So again, not worried about Bryce Elder at all. If you, you look at you know, Elder, 
Schuster, A.J. Smith-Shawver. I don't really have concern about A.J. Smith-Shawver this first start, but I guess between Schuster and Elder, my more worry is with Schuster than Elder right now. I still think Elder is a very good pitcher. Offense Offensively cooled off a bit against the Nats, just 11 runs on the weekend against a pitching staff that ranks 25th in ERA. They scored two run or three runs on Friday and just two runs on Sunday didn't score in the final eight innings on Sunday, despite nine hits and a walk, everybody, but Riley and Rosario had a hit in that game. Matt Olson had a two run Homer, two batters into the game. The Braves had two runs and they don't score the rest of the way. That is not great right there. You hope this isn't becoming a, a trend where the Braves kind of let the foot off the gas pedal against bad pitching staffs. But either way, that's, that wasn't great, obviously, especially with how hot the offense was. Just two extra base hits on Sunday, and you saw it. You know, when this team doesn't get those extra base hits, as we know, really can struggle. But more often than not, they're going to get those big hits. Uh, just not really a great weekend offensively overall. Offense cooled down a little bit. Somebody who did not cool down, Marcelo Zuno. Four hits on the weekend, and he continues to show me that he has more than just the power swing. He had a single the other way. Then he went first and third on a single. Also had a walk, struck out just once. So, again, I've said it several times now with Ozuna, and the reason I haven't liked him on the field in the past is that he's been a one-trick pony. It's power or nothing. And over this last month-plus stretch now, he's shown me he can do other things. He's flicking balls the other way for easy base hits. He's taking the extra base. Um, you know, like going for first to third. I've seen him do it, you know, several times now. So he's starting to do the little things. He's been taking his walks all year long. So he's starting to do the other little things other than show us that, you know, massive power that I know he has, which has really made, you know, this streak that he's on seem that it could be sustainable because he's doing those other little things. So he continued to have a good weekend. Somebody who did not, Austin Riley, over 10 on the weekend with four strikeouts. After, you know, he's been scorching hot for, you know, two weeks or more now. Wasn't a great weekend for him. Probably a big reason why the offense suffered there. And Acuna had the big game on Saturday, but he also came up in some big spots over this weekend and couldn't come through with that clutch hit. Not putting this on Acuna, just pointing that out. But he did have a great game on Saturday. A double that almost knocked down the wall in right field. Also had a home run that way as well. So good stuff from Acuna there. The bullpen, I thought they remained strong. Great job on Friday in relief of A.J. Smith-Shawver. Three and two-thirds scoreless innings. Jesse Chavez got out of a huge jam on Saturday and pitched two perfect innings. Joe Jimenez looked good again. A.J. Minter did allow a home run but got the save on Saturday. Yates came in, gave up the homer on Sunday, but that was it in two perfect innings. And Michael Tonkin pitched two perfect innings on uh, Sunday as well. So you didn't have to use Nick Anderson in this one. Iglesias only pitched on Friday, so your bullpen is rested, ready to go with this week coming up. So really love what we've seen from the bullpen here lately. And, you know, while you love when we get to sweep, I'd love to win every game. You know that's not possible in Major League Baseball, but still, still it was a series win, and hopefully they get another one starting this week against the Tigers. But next, want to get into our Miners Monday segment. We're going to add a new prospect to the top 10 and Luis Guanipa. I'm excited to talk about him and he's off to a good start in the DSL. We'll discuss that next. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. 
So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know you that you perfect part will fit or your money back because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply Braves play the Tigers on Monday night at 6.40 p.m. Eastern. The Braves will look to start a new winning streak. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. Really looking forward to another week on the podcast. We'll have our usual segments coming up. You got Miners Monday, today, our Talk of Tuesday, Tuesday. If there's something that you want to talk about right now, let me know down in the comments section. We'll have our Stat of the Day Wednesday, Through the League Thursday, Mailbag Friday, and we'll cover, obviously, this three-game set against the Tigers and a four-game set over the weekend against the Colorado Rockies. So got a lot of content coming your way. We're also gearing up for the MLB Draft which we'll talk, touch on a little bit in today's Miners Monday segment. And let's jump into that segment. We'll go through our top prospects. Jared Schuster, five innings, eight hits, no walks, three earned, no strikeouts for the Braves this past week. We already touched on him a good bit. Owen Murphy, rough week for him, and it's really been a bit rough here lately. Just uh, two, two outs in his last outing, 30 pitches, and look, you can't roll innings on full season baseball. So they weren't going to let him throw two more, two more than 30 pitches or too many more than 30 pitches, uh, you know, really risk him getting hurt there. So that's why he only pitches uh, two-thirds of an inning, and they pull him out there. There was an error in that inning that hurt him. So if he gets through that, you know, he probably would have pushed him out there for more but didn't want him to overexert himself in one inning. But ends up giving up three hits and a walk, four runs, three earned, no strikeouts for Owen Murphy. A.J. smith Shaver, five and a third, three hits, two walks, two runs, none of them earned, and two strikeouts on his start with the Braves this week. Braden Shoemake, just five for 25, no walks, three strikeouts, and a stolen base this past week. However, you look at his batted ball profile from this past week, 88.5 mile-per-hour average exit velocity, not great, but not terrible either. Four balls hit over 100 miles per hour, so he's making a lot of hard contact. However, it's it's kind of, you know, the top of the spectrum or bottom of the spectrum for him. He makes some really hard contact, and, like, we're going to compare him to Von Grissom here later on. He has some high exit velocities, does Braden Shoemake, but then there's also a lot of really low exit velocities as well. Ten of his 22 balls in play were under 90 miles per hour, so just not squaring up the ball consistently enough compared to Von Grissom, who we'll talk about here in a second. Spencer Schwellenbach, also a rough week for him, four and a third innings. Uh, seven hits, two walks, six earned, five strikeouts. His ERA shot up over a full run from 1.53 to 2.94. Dylan Dodd, five and two-thirds innings, eight hits, two walks, two earned, five strikeouts this past week with Gwinnett. My guy, Ignacio Nacho Alvarez, had a good week, six for 17, a double, three walks, three strikeouts, had a three-hit game, so good to see him bounce back. And then the new guy we're adding to the list this week, Luis Guanipa, big international signing for the Braves. Last international signing period. He started out his season in the DSL, went six for 18, two doubles, two home runs, a walk, four strikeouts, and four stolen bases. A big power speed combo there. 
for the outfielder. So really excited to see him get going and have some stats to put next to his name. But we'll be putting him up in the top 10 of our prospect list right now. Going down level by level, Joe Dunnan. I tweeted this out. He's been a monster for Gwinnett this year. Nine for 20 this past week. Two doubles, two home runs, no walks, five strikeouts on the season. Just 23 games, but slashing 354, 436, 659 slugging percentage. Seven home runs, 10 walks, 24 strikeouts. He's 27, plays both corner infield spots, can also obviously DH, the nephew of Alex Rodriguez. And you look at his exit velocity numbers this past week. He averaged 95 miles per hour on balls in play 15 balls that he put in play this past week and he had exit velos over 107 point miles an hour so this guy has been crushing so far for Gwinnett this year and has some big uh, exit velocities as well Forrest Wall been talking about him all year the guy just continues to get it done eight for 19 this past week a triple showing off some power with a couple of home runs as well three walks to just one strikeout and seven stolen bases. On the season now for Forrest Wall, 27-year-old outfielder, 284, 387, 431 slash line, five home runs, 37 walks to 46 strikeouts, and 39 stolen bases. I'm telling you, I feel like this guy's going to earn a bench spot at some point this year just with that speed, and you know he's been hitting all year as well. Vaughn Grissom, seven for 25, three doubles, a walk, and three strikeouts. You look at his average exit velocity for the week, 91 miles per hour. His average exit velocity at the big leagues was 85 miles per hour, so that's a big jump there for him. Great to see. 22 balls in play, 15 of them hit 90 miles per hour or harder. So, again, he's consistently making really good contact, and I know exit velocity is not the end-all, be-all. It's all about the launch angle and how you're contacting the baseball, but still – you're hitting it that hard. You must be contact, uh, contacting it pretty well. So 15 um, hit 90 miles per hour or harder of the 22 balls he, he put in play. However, just one of them over 100 miles per hour. So that's where I kind of con- contrast the difference between him and Braden Shoemake. Shoemake can make those 100-plus mile-per-hour exit velocities, but he's not making that hard contact as consistently, whereas Grissom, he's consistently making solid contact over 90 miles per hour, but not having those big exit velocity numbers, you know, over a hundred. So just kind of the different styles there, just to point out, but still a really good week for Vaughn Grissom, who continues to hit the ball really well at AAA. Soroka, six innings, three hits, two walks, two hit batters, one earned run, six strikeouts. So, you know, good outing overall, good line, but you still look at the two walks, the two hit batters tells you that maybe he's still battling that command a little bit. 16 whiffs on 41 swings is very good. For him, 9 of 14 whiffs on that slider, which also had six called strikes, and that was one of the big things for me. I wanted to see him be able to get that slider over for strikes more often. He had 29 whiffs plus called strikes. I'm always looking for that number to be around 30, so that's very good. 90.3 mile-per-hour average exit velocity, very solid as well. I had some of you ask me about the pitch movement. I didn't actually watch the start, but just looking at the baseball savant page, pitch movement was pretty much the same as it has been all year at AAA. Slider command looked really good when you look at the um, the pitch pitch track or pitch chart for that outing. He really was locating it, you know, down and away to righties. 
Still too many four seams and sinkers left middle up. That's something he's really got to improve on is that fastball command. We saw it got hit really hard at the big league level. Tanner Gordon, seven innings, five hits, no walks, one run, three strikeouts. Really good start, so they sent him back down uh, to Mississippi, but really good start for him. He really started to figure it out there at AAA. Derek Rodriguez, four innings, one hit, no walks, no earned, three strikeouts. If there comes a need in the bullpen for a long man or they need another bullpen game and need an opener, Rodriguez has thrown the ball pretty well. But if they do need another spot starter at some point, Alan Winans has probably been deserving of that nine-inning complete game this past week. Four hits, two walks, one earned, came on a solo homer, and three strikeouts. Just nine whiffs on 51 swings. This is not a overly dominant profile. Just 20 called strikes plus whiffs. I just told you Soroga had 29 of those in a much shorter outing. Uh, Winans only had 20, but an 85.7 mile-per-hour average exit velocity against, not giving up a lot of hard contact, through 43 Changeups on 92 pitches, 12 put in play with an average exit velocity of 86.3 miles per hour. He doesn't have a pitch that averages over 90 miles per hour, or at least he did not in this start. So, again, not an overly dominant profile, but the guy is getting it done and he's getting it done at the highest minor league level. I got to imagine if it gets to a point the Braves need another starter, they'll have to open up a spot for him on the 40 man, but. Winans is showing that he perhaps deserves an opportunity. Down at Mississippi, Cade Bunnell, 7 for 21, a double, two homers, three walks, six strikeouts. Guy has big power, monster power. Drew Lugbauer, speaking of, of power, Drew Lugbauer has that power. 7 for 16 this past week, two home runs, four walks, six strikeouts. Now for the season for Drew Lugbauer, who's always been known as just a you know, power tool kind of guy, but nothing else. But this year, he's slashing 266, 383 on base percentage, 591 slug. That's a 974 OPS. He has 12 home runs, a 15% walk rate, but a 36.6% strikeout rate. But overall, a 160 WRC plus this year. He hit 28 home runs last year. I mentioned he has big power. He's walking at a pretty good clip. Still striking out at a big clip. I mean, it's a three true outcomes kind of guy, but he's really doing those at a, a great rate this year. So be interesting to see what happens with Lugbauer. Victor Vodnik, I tweeted this one out as well, as he's been great lately. But this past week, three and a third, just one hit, two walks, no earned, and eight strikeouts. After a rough start in April, he's allowed just two earned runs over his last 12 outings. He still has to work on the walks a little bit, but he is not getting hit right now, and he's striking out batters at over 14 uh, per nine over the last month plus now. So really good stuff from Victor Vodnik. And then at Rome, Geraldo Quintero, 7 for 22 this past week with three walks. David McKay, 4 for 12 in three games and a home run. Daniel Martinez, 4 and two-thirds innings pitch. No hits, did walk three, but no earned runs and eight strikeouts. Ian Mejia, 7 and a third, five hits, one walk, one earn, and two strikeouts. And then finally at Augusta, Corey Acton, 6 for 20, a double and two walks. Ethan Workinger, Five for 16, four games in four games. He, I didn't see him in the last couple of games. Hopefully he's okay there. A lot of you asked me about minor league injuries. Those are the hardest and most frustrating things to find out, but hopefully he's okay. Uh, he had a triple and two walks. And then Samuel Strickland for Augusta on the mound. Six innings, five hits, no walks, one earned, and four strikeouts. All right, quickly want to go through MLB draft. Watch real, uh, just go over some of the latest mock drafts that we've seen here. 
Uh, Baseball America and MLB Pipeline have the Braves taking George Lombard, uh, shortstop uh, high schooler from Miami, Florida, the son of former Brave George Lombard with the same name. He does have a commitment to Vandy. He's known most for his big power. A lot of people think he'll move to a corner infield spot. Uh, the Braves, both both of those sites also mention the fact that the Braves are linked to a lot of high school hitters, which would be a huge surprise for me. I've been saying for a while, I think they'll continue to go the route of drafting high, you know, profile, high upside pitchers in the first round. But according to what the, you know, those in the know are hearing this season or this uh, draft cycle, they are looking at high school hitters. So that would be something interesting. Those are also well, very risky, as you know, but so are just about every high school player you're taking in the draft for the first round. ESPN, Kyler McDaniel had the Braves taking Chase Daniels, an outfielder from Arizona. I watched him a little bit in the regionals. You know, you look at this guy and it is a carbon copy, you know, swing of Carlos Gonzalez, who had a good year or a good career playing a lot with the Colorado Rockies. So really intriguing talent there. Just crazy to me that the Braves wouldn't take a pitcher in the first round, but we'll see if they change that up this year. Obviously, we know they need to get some bats in the system, but as we've seen this year, you can never have too much pitching. And when you need to make trades, even if you don't have the most high-end talent, people are always looking for pitching. So I actually like the strategy of continuing to go with high upside pitching early in the draft, but we'll see if the Braves switch that up. I didn't get to lot, watch a lot of super regional action this past weekend. Just had a lot of stuff going on, but a couple of guys who stood out to me, Brock Wilkin for Wake Forest. I watched a good bit of that regional, and you know, while that ballpark is just ridiculous with how, how it plays, I mean, it's just a launching pad there, but Brock Wilkin hit some that didn't need any assistance. So big power bat there from Wake Forest. And then Trey Richardson for two at TCU. He's just a fun player i don't know what his draft stock is or if he's even draft eligible but i just wanted to mention it because he is electric for the tcu horn frogs and a lot of fun to watch so looking forward to got a couple more super regional games tonight uh, on monday night but then looking forward to the college world series hopefully we get to see these guys a couple more times i mentioned hurston waldrop uh, for florida is somebody that if he were to fall to the Braves at 24 i would absolutely love that i don't think he will but you can get an eye on him at the College World Series where the Florida Gators did advance. I think that'd be a name to watch. Wilkin, who I mentioned, he's you know mocked to go around that same area as the Braves. I don't know if they would go that route, but does have some big, big power. All right, next we will preview the Tigers series coming up, see if the Braves can start a new streak. We'll do that here next. The Tigers and Braves begin a series on Monday night. It will be a bullpen game for the Tigers, and the Braves will send Charlie Morton to the mound. Tigers are last in the league in OPS and 20 and average. Sorry, they're last in OPS and average. So it's not like the Nationals who are down towards the bottom in OPS because they don't slug a lot, but tops in the average. The Tigers are just bad at both. And they're also 21st in ERA. This is not a good team. They've lost nine in a row. They haven't won a game in the month of June. Seems like a good recipe for the Braves to pick up some wins. However, losing nine in a row law of averages tells me that they're probably going to win eventually, um, but hopefully it doesn't happen in this three-game series. I mentioned it'll be a bullpen game. 
We know how those have gone for the Braves. Actually, not terrible, but the Braves haven't been able to win some of those, and it puts a lot of stress on your bullpen. But hopefully the Braves can get to those bullpen arms early and often. Now, some unfortunate news for the Tigers. They lost Riley Green, a good young prospect who seemed like he was having a breakout season. He's now out to injury. And their best starter, Eduardo Rodriguez, who was having a Cy Young-type year, he's currently on the IL as well. So it's tough breaks there for the Tigers, probably a big reason why they've lost nine in a row. Miguel Cabrera in his final year, future Hall of Famer. So that'll be fun to watch. No Ron Acuna Jr. thinks very highly of him, so it'll be good to see those two kind of hook up in this one. As for Charlie Morton, it's been kind of up and down for him lately. It's looked more like last year where it'd be a good start, bad start, good start, bad start. Couldn't really put it together. He had four you know, really good starts, I thought, to start the month of May, but since then it's really been kind of up and down. So hopefully he can get it going against a bad offense in the Tigers. Four walks in two of his last three outings. That has to stop for Charlie Morton, but again, might be a good chance to get him going against this Tigers lineup that is last in all of baseball in OPS. One more time, it'll be the Tigers and the Braves on Monday night at 6.40 p.m. Eastern. The Braves will send Charlie Morton to the mound, try to get him back on track, catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. If you are an everydayer, let me know down in the comments section below on YouTube or on Twitter. Make sure that you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 